It's Pennsylvania Legacies, the podcast series from the Pennsylvania Environmental Council. I'm Josh Wallerson. Well, it's a new year, and that means the General Assembly will soon be back in session. Lawmakers arrived in Harrisburg early this week for swearing-in ceremonies and meetings in preparation for one of the busiest periods of the legislative calendar. The big ticket item, of course, the budget. And like other state agencies, the Department of Environmental Protection is bracing for what could be another year of painful cuts. That hasn't stopped DEP from rolling out a new permit proposal for the natural gas industry, aimed, among other things, at curtailing methane leaks, a major contributor to global warming. The good news, there's a lot of low-hanging fruit there. The majority of methane emissions from the oil and gas sector really uh, come from a small number of sources, so it's, it's easy to target a lot of these permit conditions and regulations to those sources to get the biggest bang for the buck. Other states have had success with similar measures. Could Pennsylvania, the nation's second largest gas producer, follow suit? We'll get a briefing from PEC Senior Vice President for Legal and Government Affairs, John Walliser. That's coming up. First, a look at some environmental news headlines from around the state this week. Crews from more than a dozen southwestern Pennsylvania fire departments responded to a New Year's Day fire at a natural gas well pad in Washington County. It started late Sunday afternoon at a site operated by Rice Energy in Somerset Township. A spokeswoman says an equipment failure was the cause. Some nearby residents told the Washington County Observer reporter they were startled to see the smoke and chose to self-evacuate, though no injuries were reported. Despite the health and safety concerns often voiced by people who live near drilling sites, a new study out of the University of Chicago says the economic benefits of living in shale gas producing areas tend to outweigh the costs. Researchers looked at income, employment, housing, and other data in communities that host fracking operations and found that those places generally fared better after the oil and gas industry came to town. They also incurred significant economic downsides when quality of life data are factored in. Still, the paper says households in gas-producing areas, particularly the Marcellus and Bakken shale regions, realized an average net benefit of as much as 3.7 percent. More oil and gas industry numbers out this week from the Pennsylvania Department of Environmental Protection. A DEP report issued Wednesday shows a sharp decline in the number of new wells drilled and permits issued over the last three years. 499 unconventional shale gas wells were drilled in Pennsylvania last year. That's less than half the number from 2014. The report also points out that conventional drilling operations are far more likely than unconventional drillers to run into regulatory trouble. Conventional drillers had five times as many DEP violations in 2016 compared to their counterparts on the unconventional side, and DEP carried out more than triple the number of enforcement actions against conventional drillers. And with the winter chill now fully upon us, it's worth noting 2016 was actually a record-setting year for heat in much of Pennsylvania. Philly.com reports the Philadelphia and Allentown areas both recorded their second warmest average annual temperatures ever last year, with daily highs regularly reaching into the 80s and 90s, well into the fall. Philly had its hottest August ever, capping off an unusually dry summer for much of the eastern half of the state. And this not-at-all-ominous report from Bethlehem, where state police say dozens of dead birds apparently fell from the sky above Route 22 late last week. Eyewitnesses tell the morning call of Allentown they saw the birds drop on and along the roadway Friday afternoon. The cause is unclear, but the paper reports it's the second such incident in the region since December, when as many as 200 blackbirds fell dead in rural southern New Jersey. Environmental officials tested the birds but couldn't determine what killed them. 
And somewhat more cheerful bird news from Allegheny County, home to a pair of bald eagle nests that have drawn large online audiences viewing their live webcams. The nests in Pittsburgh's Hayes neighborhood and nearby Harmer Township just got an equipment upgrade courtesy of the Audubon Society of Western Pennsylvania, the State Game Commission, and manufacturer Pix Controller. The new cameras were installed last week and were set to go live by Friday. As the new year begins, one story we're watching especially closely at PEC is a newly proposed DEP permit for unconventional gas drilling. It's part of the governor's methane strategy. The measure would put new requirements on drillers to find and repair methane leaks, which proponents say could put a big dent in Pennsylvania's greenhouse gas emissions. For an explanation, we turn to our in-house expert, John Walliser, who handles policy and government affairs for PEC. So in early December, the Department of Environmental Protection presented to the Air Quality Technical Advisory Committee draft permit proposals that are focused on reducing methane emissions from new unconventional oil and gas well sites and processing and transport facilities. This is the first part of uh, the overall methane reduction strategy that Governor Wolf announced early in 2016. Uh, Methane is very important because as a heat trapping gas, it's about 80 times more potent than carbon dioxide over the short term, like the first two decades, and about 20 times more powerful than carbon dioxide over 100 years. Um, And given the need to quickly reduce uh, greenhouse gas emissions to meet emission reduction targets, this is seen in many ways as a low-hanging fruit toward that goal. Um, Natural gas can provide substantial greenhouse gas reduction Uh, benefits compared to coal, but only when these methane emissions are controlled. And the majority of methane emissions from the oil and gas sector really uh, come from a small number of sources. So it's it's easy to target a lot of these permit conditions and regulations to those sources to get the biggest bang for the buck. Um, Other states like Colorado have already adopted robust emission controls, and they've done that. Uh, They developed those in partnership with industry. Uh, and those have been in place for some time now, and they found that those, those controls have not hurt gas production levels. Um, but it's also important to note that right now what the department has presented is draft permit language. Uh, it has not been published yet for public comment. So we haven't seen the final language, um, and we haven't yet seen the department's analysis for those. So we have, we're not able to comment at this time on the overall fitness of those controls. Um, but these, they're very important because they look at things like leak detection and repair. Um, if you remember what happened earlier this year in, in California with Alyssa Canyon, that was an unknown leak uh, that was only discovered after the fact. And one of the things that these uh, new permits will do will require periodic, uh, quarterly, um, what's called leak detection and repair, where they're going to send somebody out along the chain to do uh, an analysis and to look for those types of leaks, um, those types of hazards. Um, and really comprehensive and routine monitoring is the only way to find those things. Um, these permit proposals are also going to require um, certain equipment on things like turbines and seals, as well as certain practices, things like vapor recovery during certain activities um, to prevent the day-to-day emissions during normal operations. The proposals are also important because they will give us much more accurate and comprehensive data on the extent of emissions. Uh, There there are some uh, reporting requirements in place right now at the state, um, but the actual verification of those is lacking in many respects. 
Uh, so this will give the department a much more accurate picture on what's actually happening out there in the field, and as well as sort of to help identify where most of these emissions are coming from these leaks and what are really the best ways and what are the best practices to prevent them. As this is only the first stage of the governor's overall reduction strategy, after these permits are finalized, we expect the department will be drafting and putting out for public comment regulations, uh, it's sort of a different animal, that will look at addressing emissions from existing operations. Um, that's a much more thorough, much more complicated process than developing permits for new operations and it'll take much longer to put in place. Uh, you know, at the earliest, uh, after the department puts those out for public comments, you're probably looking at finalization of those proposals within, at best, a year or two. So we, we will continue to remain engaged in the process. Uh, all of our comments on these proposals will be posted online at our website. And that website is PACPA.org. We've been hearing from PAC's senior VP for Legal and Government Affairs, John Walliser, outlining the state's plans to curb methane emissions and natural gas production. It's one of several stories we'll be tracking this spring as the legislative season gets underway. Check the website for the latest and be sure to keep an eye on our policy tracker. You can find it all at PACPA.org. Well, that's our show for this week. Pennsylvania Legacies is a production of the Pennsylvania Environmental Council. The views expressed are not necessarily those of the Pennsylvania Environmental Council. You can learn more about our work and catch up on previous episodes of the podcast one more time at PACPA.org. I'm Josh Wallerson. Thanks for listening. <laughs>